listening to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Tuesday afternoon. Now let's turn to our next guests of today, and I'd like to welcome back to the program Andrew Dembina. Andrew, it's great to see you again. How are you doing? Hi, good, thanks. How are you, Noreen? Got your mask on there, I see. Yes, unfortunately, in the studio, we, we need to, even though I'm alone in the, in the studio at the moment, which is why we're Zooming around this Tuesday afternoon. We've got a very special guest with us this afternoon. Well, we do. I'm really, really pleased to be joined right now this week by Ed Carr, who anyone watching on uh, Facebook Live will be able to see in the in the Zoom. Um, and he is the chief winemaker, sparkling winemaker for House of Arras, which is uh, the most awarded sparkling wine in Australia. And it's, it's, it's gaining a great reputation worldwide. Um, actually, before we begin this, well, we should say hello to Ed so that everyone knows he's really with us. Hello, everybody. Great to see you, Ed. And for those of you who want to join us on Facebook, do so. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. You'll be able to see and hear Ed with us this afternoon. Before we talk about all the sort of wine questions, I, I do have a have a question I, I, w- I want to throw to you, Ed. I read that you're a microbiologist by training. You studied, <laughs> you studied chemistry and microbiology. How did you sort of fall into the wine industry? Uh, that was a long, long time time ago really but I did actually do that I um I'd always thought I'd be a food technologist of some sort and um my initial work was in the dairy industry and then I moved on to a wine um a small winery um that I was in the laboratory for and um you know the white coat and the glasses and um I just got more and more involved with wine and that um, winery happened to be very involved in sparkling wine. So I progressively moved on to sparkling from there. Andrew? Um, which, which, uh, which state, which states was that in, uh, uh, Ed, that you were, that you were making sparkling wine? That was in South Australia. Uh, I've always been based in South Australia, but made sparkling wines from all the cold climate regions throughout Australia. So Pemberton in Western Australia, through the Yarra Valley, Tumbarumba in New South Wales, Adelaide Hills, and ultimately into Tasmania. Why did you decide to settle in... Sorry, go on, Andrew. Sorry, go on, Andrew. (laughs) Oh, no, no, go on. on. Zooming method. No, 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 you go for it, Andrew. Yeah. Okay, I I was just going to ask, back in the days when you were in South Australia and the other states... Was it always the champagne method, the traditional uh, French method? That's to say um, the double fermentation in the bottle, the using of certain grapes only. Was it always that way that you were that you were trained or has it become more that way in Australia, do you think? Yeah, I've been involved in sparkling wine making at all quality levels. So from simple carbonated wines through tank fermentation yeah. and into bottle fermentation. Yeah. So. Certainly, all the all the premium labels I've ever worked with are really bottle fermentation, and traditional method plays a big big part in that. I mean, you got to realise that sure. within Australia, like um, Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, only appeared in the late seventies, early eighties. So, yeah. premium sparkling wine only really started from those sorts of years. Yeah. 
and then and then the other say Pinot Meunier, one of the other uh, grapes in uh, in Champagne, was that was it was that grown specifically to make the blend that uh, would be used in uh, you know in the French varieties and that people might have a taste for? Yeah, I guess Pinot Meunier has been not very popular at all within Australian sparkling wine winemaking. We uh, really like it as part of our style, and um, we've actually been planting more to increase the amount of pneumonia in our younger wines. So we are actually using all three of the classic varieties, but we use pneumonia yeah. uh, in, the, in uh, the younger blends. Yeah, right. also You mentioned Chardonnay. Sorry, go on, Andrew. No, no, no. <laughs> no, Nori, come on, otherwise you're never going to get one in. Come on. I know. I should jump in. No, no, but I wasn't going to ask a follow-up question, so you go for it. Oh, sorry. Well, I was going, I was going to ask, you mentioned um, Chardonnay being um, around for some years in Australia. I mean, it's certainly the, you know, Chardonnay as a table wine has uh, is, is very well known from uh, uh, sort of um, straightforward, reasonably priced types to to um to the quality that, that that you know commands better prices and can even age but um were, were you recently in this in this difficult year i should imagine you've managed to release your um blanc de blanc which is 100 percent chardonnay right which is a new is that is that a new launch for you yeah i mean all of these wines uh have a considerable amount of time on uh lees so the non-vintage blanc de blanc is predominantly a 16 and 17 yeah blend so um yeah yeah we're always working much much into the future but um yeah releasing the non-vintage block was a big big step for us yeah well i was going to say you've received yeah. a wonderful yeah. endorsement um by 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 winning um such a prestigious title you know uh uk wine magazine decanters top sparkling wine of the year list of 2020 um, what are your feelings about this, Ed? Can you share with us your, your feelings about this? Well, I mean, we're, we're absolutely honoured by it. Um, it. It's where we ultimately hoped we, we would be. I mean, the House of Arras started in uh, with a, you know, just a simple idea to make premium sparkling wine back in 1995. And um, we started in Tasmania there. That was our chosen region. And we've evolved ever since then. Um, Why you know, did you decide to choose Tasmania um, 25 Tas years ago? Tassie really does have a very cool climate. It's a maritime climate because it's an island. It's, it's in the Southern Ocean, basically, and very much affected by the cool weather that comes up from the from the Antarctic and it's a very different climate to a lot of the mainland vineyards and from what we'd seen earlier from the wines that we've made um, it really suited the style that we wanted to make uh, you know there's other great cold climate regions within Australia but what we saw in the early days out of Tasmania was it really was this style that would age so so well, uh, and if if anything's surprised us, it's um, how well these wines age their long longevity, but how they keep their brightness and freshness. And spot on, you know, twenty five years well, ago, you and your team had that foresight, 
And now, 25 years, you've won such a prestigious accolade. Congratulations. Well, yeah. Presumably. Presumably that comes into the, uh, um, the reason for you being uh, picked by Decanter magazine, beating House of Krug, no less, um, with your with your recent, um, a, you know, accolade and award, um, because that was, uh, that, that, that's a 16 year, uh, old vintage, isn't it? That was 2004. So, yeah. uh, uh, what were this kind of comments? Yeah. What kind of comments did you get from the judging panel on that? Um, I guess everybody loves the complexity and the elegance of that wine. Um, and, uh, but it's got that lovely brightness and, vibrancy so um yeah what i really like is it's not sham champagne obviously it's not it's from tasmania and it's a house of aris winemaking stamp on that but it still is really a, a beautiful aged complex vibrant style and i guess if anything we show a little bit more fruit character because of our sun sunshine's really quite strong but it it's um it's a very elegant style, and um, obviously the judges selected it. I mean, we're totally honoured. We don't consider to be beating anybody. It's just lovely to be selected from uh, a great selection of wines from around the globe. Have you also noticed a shift in consumption? You know, I've seen over the past maybe five years, people almost prefer sparkling wine over champagne. I'm not saying champagne doesn't have that appeal or prestige, but people are sort of enjoying a glass of sparkling wine. It suits a lot of different occasions. Have you noticed that trend also, Ed? Yeah, we we are starting to see people uh, will be a bit more daring in their selections move away from some of the traditional labels that they've tried tried before and that's always what we've tried tried to do produce a wine style that we think is 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 of that standard and then it's up to the con consumer really to see if that suits, suits their own palate yeah terrific uh now, how do you find asia sorry go on now it it is very Asia is very uh, a young market f for us. Yeah. Um, really, like, Aris is only 25 years old. We've been trying to build up, you know, stocks to move to a more globally orientated brand. And um, we're hoping that Asia picks up this market um, for us, really. Um, it is relatively new. How has yeah. climate change sort of affected uh, uh, vine harvest and production in the past few years? You've noticed, um, you know, in Australia with, with the fires and, and the whole of climate change. Yeah, I mean, um, the fires are another issue. I mean, they, they are massive issues at times. Um, fortunately, Tasmania was very clear of the fires from this year. Uh, but we have seen this creeping um, change in the sort of earlier harvest dates. Um, and we've seen that, you see it across the globe, we've seen it in on the Australian main mainland. Fortunately, Tasmania is a bit insulated from that change, being in the Southern Ocean and um, its effects. So the cool winds from the south have certainly moderated that. But we do harvest, you know, earlier and um, you know, we will see change. There's no doubt about it. But 
being still young, uh, bit of culturally young, we are now planting into regions that are a little bit cooler than the ones we currently operate from. So we're sort of right. building in a in insurance policy for moving in to the future, just in case, because you, you well, never plant all your grapes in one one area, sort of. No, and that's entirely true. With yeah. with with the RS brand, we have uh, sourced grapes from all of the regions within Tasmania because they're they're all um, complementary in our blends. So we're not a single vineyard or a single sub-region wine. We we look across the whole of the Tasmanian viticultural scene to build more complex and more com- complete wines. Right. Was, was Tasmania affected particularly, or has it been, or is it, by COVID? Has that affected your production um, during this during this year? Uh, it did affect it in the sense we had to change practices um, a lot and be a lot more secure in what we did. But um, ultimately, we got through the vintage very well. Um, you know, right. Things we had to change, like um, all the premium fruit is hand, hand-picked. How do you manage picking teams safely and such? So, and protecting our wineries from um, getting getting any infection within the winery. So, fortunately, we got through the whole uh, vintage with being able to operate every day. And Australia is doing amazingly well at the moment in terms of COVID control. I mean, you guys are sort of down to single digits already as as a country. Uh, our borders open up in internally now. So um, uh, I talked about the production effects of COVID, but uh, initially COVID really closed down premium sparkling sales because a lot of the on-premise yeah. on venues had to close. But now we're seeing a really bounce right. back and we're going very strong sales in um, to Christmas. So with yeah, yeah I, I was going to say, did you see a, a big increase of demand in, in alcohol? Because we, we saw that in Hong Kong, sort of people were maybe working from home or what have you and just uh, you know, were, had the flexibility to enjoy um, more uh, a glass of wine more than usual. Did you see a sort of boost in sales? Certainly did in, in retail and on, online, obviously. Um, and now it's starting and sparkling wasn't really strong in those early stages but um we're now seeing a great boost in sparkling and in premium sparkling in particular so as i said we are hopeful for a really good festive season with retail sales very strong but also the on on premise scene opening up again brilliant andrew so what's what what's well what's next for your production you obviously as you say anything that you do has years of planning and maturing and uh, is in the process for years so but 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 what do you have anything that's in the process that you that you can mention uh, uh, having just released the uh, the all chardonnay blanc de blanc this year is there is there is there anything else of interest coming up soon well we works yeah we will see some new rosé styles act um next year we'll have a non-vintage um uh, 
rosé style, very um, similar right. price pointing to the to the non-vintage Blanc de Blanc, and we yeah. we we also have a a higher level traditional method um, rosé coming through in two years' time. So that's yeah. pretty exciting for us to um, yeah, yeah, yeah. be um, yeah. part of the rosé scene and have our own blends uh, in in that style. Um, other than that, we really Definitely. look at um, museum wines and what we have in Magnum. So we're looking at some nice Magnum releases again for next for next year, which is all always pretty yeah. pretty exciting to me. I I don't know into yeah. which markets these wines go, but um, we we do have those wines coming through. Right. Well, the, uh, the 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 higher end um, uh, are are often enjoyed in Hong Kong for celebratory occasions from different parts of the world. Some, um, I think, some some American sparkling wine from Napa Valley has come through to uh, to Hong Kong in larger formats. And uh, I, I know that uh, Shandon in uh, in Yarra Valley has has some of its larger formats here, um, but probably not in their uh, probably more in the non vintage. Uh, uh, range than the uh, than the premium bottles. So yeah, I hope we do get them over here. Um, I was going to ask. Um, I'm what, afraid we don't what, have uh, time. We've got to go to the 2:30 news, Andrew. I'm really sorry to to cut oh, you off. I won't. I won't be asking you that question. I'm afraid, Ed. Thanks, <laughs> Ed. It's been such a pleasure to meet you and to speak to you. We were speaking to Ed Carr, the founder of House of Errors, Tasmania's premier sparkling wine label. It's been such a pleasure to 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 meet you this afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us, and have a great Christmas and a new year. And I hope to invite you back on the show next time. And congratulations once again on the, your wonderful accolade of being named in UK's one yeah. magazine decanter. Thank you very much. Thank you. It'll be lovely to be back Thanks another time. Yeah. <laughs> Take care. Bye. Bye, Ed. Thanks, Andrew. Bye for now, everyone.